Welcome to the Waggle Dance Podcast. Three guys, Duncan, Dave and Andy. A preacher, a leader and a designer who want to explore ways to live life with a little less friction. A hive of conversation waxing lyrical on faith, family and friendship. Welcome to the Waggle Dance Podcast. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Waggle Dance Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to spend a bit of time with us, so thanks for listening. As ever, I'm joined by my great friends Dave and Duncan. How are you boys? Yeah, we're good, thanks Andy. Excellent. Fabulous. Thank you, Andrew. Doing very, very well. Pleased to it's, hear it. Can we just say, it's great to have Duncan back, isn't it? I Beat missed me him it. last time. Oh, I missed you guys, but it was great listening back to it. Fantastic. Louise did a brilliant job. If you haven't listened to that one, listen to that one. I mean, how you take art all the way to football. What a great story that was. Yeah, it was terrific. Brilliant. So guys, it's hard to believe, but this is the last episode of season two. Can't quite believe it. Has it gone quickly for you? Absolutely. I still was thinking we were back in season one. It's amazing. It's the last one. It's great, isn't it? it is I mean, you feel like you've achieved something. And and I think, you know, our, our listenership's gone up from two. I think we surpassed it and went to about five. So, um, uh, yeah, it's great. There's there's, there's your mum. There's <laughs> your your wife listens to it all. There's the man at 63. I know he said that he really enjoys it. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're cooking on gas here. It's incredible. It's great. It's great. And my you. dog can inadvertently turn the uh, turn the sound on, so he he counts as one listener as well. So exactly, it's Brilliant. all in the ratings. I have to ask Stanley to leave a review. Anyway, so if you've listened to season two, you'll know that we're introducing friends who taught us something of real value. Last week, as Duncan's just said, it was my gig, and I introduced artist Louise Cobold, a friend who taught me the power of great art, and I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Duncan. So this week, Dave is introducing his great friend, Colin Tapscott, who taught him how to bounce back from adversity. Colin, welcome to the Waggle Dance podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. Glad you're here. Thank you. It's good to join you guys here. Thanks for inviting me. Great. So just before I hand over to Dave, um, a brief introduction. So Colin, from humble beginnings as the son of a farmhand, you've developed a reputation for outstanding leadership. It's true. You've delivered a TEDx talk titled Grandad's Toolbox, a tool for every generation. And you've led organizations in education, business and the charity sector. So back in 2017, you founded Everyday Leader, an organization that helps inspire, develop, equip everyday leaders. So this topic today is about bouncing back from adversity, reinvention and resilience from surviving to thriving. And I can't wait to hear what you've got to share with us today, Colin. But just before I hand over to Dave, Colin, can I ask you, how did your paths cross? And was it at one of Dave's health clubs, maybe in the steam room? Perhaps? Not sure. How did you meet? No, we didn't meet in the steam room. Uh, no, we we um, we used to attend the same church together. And that's how we, we met uh, initially. We were part of a, a group that would meet regularly each week. So, yeah, we got yep. to know each other as, as friends and family uh, as well. So that's how we first met. Right. So over to you, Dave. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Cole, for for coming on. Okay. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a friendship that's gone back a, a long, long way. And um, yeah, it's uh, you are one of my closest friends, so it's great to have you on the on the podcast. Let's start sort of 
back from the beginning of, of our friendship, I suppose. And that was when you moved to Suffolk where, where I am and took over a school that was in, in a, in a tough area of town in Ipswich. And, um, and yeah, was, was in, was having tough times and you were brought in to kind of, kind of turn, turn it around. And you, you, you did that. You took that car, that, that school a long way in, in, um, in 10 years. So, so looking back on that time at, at the school, what what would you say are the things that you're you're most proud of? Yeah, so yeah, it was um, what was it 14 years ago when when that kind of transition and that that journey happened, and uh, yeah, what's I most proud of? I, I guess it was working with people and, and reinvigorating people. So uh, I, I'd been a head teacher before; I'd been a head teacher for seven years, um, and so when I arrived, there was a group of people that that perhaps had just lost their way. It was a community that had lost its way; they didn't realise. The potential that they had. Um, so I guess the, the 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 proudest thing is making you know helping people believe again that they they could do something that they they weren't inhibited by maybe the area that they were growing up in or or the situation that they were in and, and realised that they could overcome the things that they were facing um, and just turning you know the large number of staff who came with me for that that whole journey um, and just were kind of reinvigorated and equipped to. To, yeah, to make a difference to children and families in that area. So that's probably the, the biggest thing. I mean, I think I think it's fair to say the school became more than just a school. It sort of became a bit part of the community. And I think you you know you created a real sense of pride about about um, being part of the school amongst both the teachers and and the kids that were there. So I mean, just as difficult in a in a short answer, but just tell a little bit about the things that you tried to do to help help create that that sense of yeah pride I think would be would be the right word yeah I guess it started first of all working with staff just to help them all realize what, what's our purpose where, where are we going what's the direction what we're here for so we spent quite a bit of time at the beginning just uh, going over what what is it what is it that we're all about what's our purpose down to some key things and we narrowed that down to some key words like inspiration that's what we were trying to bring to the children and, and aspiration from it, collaboration, working together with families. And so once we kind of got those words right in our head, it was then about working alongside families to do that. And that meant just being out for me, being out on the gate, chatting to parents, uh, just constantly drip feeding what we're always about, getting to know the children and the families and spending time with them uh, and just kind of constantly reminding them through a whole range of things that could be assemblies and getting a puppet out and doing some crazy things just to remind them and bring a bit of joy back to the place as well um and it was hard it was a it was a long journey it was a really large school so it had like 670 children in it uh you know had 120 staff it's a lot of people to keep focused on the same thing but it was just about spending time with people getting to know each other walking alongside them was was one of the key things that just helped people start to believe again and just keep this drip feeding and constantly reminding them of yeah, that they could turn their lives around. They could aspire to something, whatever that, that was that they wanted to do. And I know that you know you're you immersed yourself fully in that in that role, and it it was a big part of your your life. It wasn't simply you know somewhere that you went to work. You you committed yourself fully to it, and and as I say, you saw those results as the school uh, gradually gradually grew and you were there for for, t- for 10 years and took it an awful long way but I suppose um, the toughest part was that the the ending wasn't kind of the ending that, that you would have wanted or what, what anybody would have would have imagined so 
so just explain to those people i realize it's it's tough but just explain to to the um four people that are listening to my dog as duncan said in uh, the 12 hour dance podcast just just explain to them kind of what happened at the end because that's obviously a core part of the story yeah so so in that that last year i was beginning to wonder what what's the next step for me and uh, i've been a head teacher that that time for 17 years and i felt it was time for a new challenge and uh, i'd actually handed in my notice at the school but given the uh, trust that that we were working for um, just under a year's notice that that i would be going to give them time to find a replacement um, and so this was in the october i'd given notice to leave the, the following um, august and uh, in the in the March, we then got notice of an offset inspection where inspectors come in and, and judge how well the school is doing. And the school was in a really good position. Uh, we should have got a good. And there you go. I'm giving you a bit of a hint to what happened in the story. But um, they came in. It was all going very well. The first first morning, uh, the lead inspector said this. You know, I can't say yet, but this is looking really good from what we're seeing. Uh, and then 11 o'clock that morning, one of the inspectors came in and said there are some references missing. Uh, on the paperwork for some staff and uh, we have no other choice but to put you in serious weaknesses or special measures which is uh, the death toll for schools really um, and uh, despite us trying to obviously discuss things and show things through that was what they said so that was on the Wednesday we had another full day of inspection uh, and by the end of that they, they said yeah this is where it's going to go um, and then that Sunday afternoon I got a phone call from the CEO who just said you turn up to school tomorrow, this is what's going to happen to you. Um, I suggest you go. Uh, and so, yeah, we faced a very difficult decision. Um, as it turned out, the school wasn't given that, that verdict. It was given requires improvement with two elements of good. So, but in the meantime, the, the trust had, uh, had removed me. And so it, it wasn't, as you say, quite quite the ending. And, and bearing in mind, I handed in my notice to, to leave, to get kind of working on running a setting up my own leadership development company to be working with other organizations around leadership uh to have this as your the last part of your cv was not exactly going to be the finest moment when you're going about to run a, a leadership development company and in all honesty yeah my my fear at that time was great i'm about to set up a company that nobody's going to want to be involved in when there's this kind of uh mark against your name um so yeah it probably was one of the lowest moments and the and the irony was um the weekend before was the TED talk that, you, that was just been mentioned. You know, I was doing a TED talk on the Saturday before and by the following Sunday, I'd been removed from my post. And so there was a complete high of doing a TED talk. If you've ever done it, it's quite, it's quite scary. It's quite daunting. Um, but there is this high when you finished it and it's all gone well. And then let's say by the end of the following week, I'd lost my job and my reputation was uh, looking a bit rocky at that stage. Um, yeah. So, yeah, n not the ending that we had planned uh, at all. Um, and, I, and then it was a case of having to respond. Yeah. And I remember so well. So so we got a text, um, you know, our, our families are, are quite close. And I think we got a text from 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 your wife that was that was to my wife, just explaining the kind of the ultimatum that you'd be given. And, and yeah, I mean, I just remember this year, you know, cannot believe that that's that's happening and and obviously we i think we just touched base and there's not a lot we can do other than just stand next to you on at that time and and walk with you through what was a really difficult time but but what what sort of helped you you most what what what's what tools did you use to kind of help you right in that moment of adversity yeah and i think 
when you get that moment of adversity, and, and in my case, obviously, it was uh, losing my job, a, a job that I had a good reputation for locally was known as, you know, one of the good head teachers. Um, so it's your job, your reputation. And, and obviously, other people have similar moments or they have worse moments, you know, their health or something like that. And at that point, it, you just, I use a phrase with people, plop, <laughs> this is real plop. Uh, you know, other people might describe it in perhaps slightly stronger terms, but you know, you just think, oh my goodness. And you do feel slightly like the sky is falling in at that point. As I said, for me, actually, it looked like my plans had now been thrown up in the air as well. Uh, and what would I do? So there were several things that helped me, I think, at the moment, at that moment. And the first was, um, the first immediate one is probably just the people you've got around you. So I had I had three F's I'd talk about at the time, and, and that was family, friends, and for me, it was also about my faith and belief. So I have to say my family at that point were amazing. You know, at that point, when something like that's happened, you don't feel particularly brilliant about yourself. Uh, but, you know, your, your immediate family, uh, you know, my wife uh, was amazing. My my kids were amazing. They just said, Dad, you know, we love you. We, we still think you're fab, whatever this trust may have done to you. Um, we still think you're amazing. The wider family came around me, you know. Uh, my I remember my mum saying when she was, when I was younger, she said, you never stop being a parent. Uh, and so even at that point, you know, when I was in, uh, you know, my late, late 40s there was still my mom saying are you okay and I was a bit worried about her because she's a worrier so she was going to worry about me but you know it, she was coming up and saying how can we help uh, and so that really helps and then friends people like yourself Dave that just come alongside and say how can we help and in some cases that was practical help um, and, and it's just being willing to to lean on your friends perhaps at times you think oh I can't um, because you know is that taking advantage of friends no that's exactly what friends are for and it's a bit like you know at that point friends step up for me at other point I step up for them and it's about you know that pay it forward bit in terms as well someone helps you so you help somebody else um, and then for me there's this sense of uh, faith that I'm more than just my job as well that for me there was a sense that you know I believe there's a God that loves me so therefore he still loves me whether I've got a job or not so bits like that mm. kind of help um, but the other part was just about what I did with my own mindset. And I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm in this this position. These are the cards that I've been dealt at this point. I can't change my hand. This is the hand of cards that have been dealt with me. So, so I've got to play the best hand that I can with the cards that I've been given. And it was a case of saying to myself probably two things, actually. And the first was, what story do I want to write? I'm in this position. This is the chapter. So what story do I want to write? What do I want to look back on in six months time, in two years time, in three years time? What do I want to look back? And I wanted to look back and go, do you know what? They may have taken my, my job. They may have taken my reputation, but they're not going to take who I am as a person. My character needs to be right and appropriate. And therefore, as part of that, my second thing that I said to myself um, is bitterness will remain far from my door. Uh, and I, I literally every morning had to recite that as... Uh, you know, either people contacted me and there was the temptation to express that bitterness. Um, but I, I just had to remind myself of that bitterness will remain far from my door. And, and so, yeah, it was about just giving yourself a talking to each day, reminding yourself of the good things like family and friends that were still around you um, and, and just trying to control, you know, who you were still at that time to tell a good story. But, yeah, it was family and friends at that time that, that helped you through. Um and it was a weird time, you know, even to the point where, 
I found myself not wanting to go to a certain town. Uh, you know, I wouldn't go to Tesco's at that point um, for fear of bumping into somebody that may have been told perhaps a slightly exaggerated story or to have to explain the situation when actually it was really quite difficult. Um, but it was that, you know, family and friends around you at that point is crucial. So and if anybody else finds himself in a situation like that, it is about turning to your friends and family. That's the first stage to help yourself move forward from you know, this adversity that you're facing. So, I mean, yeah, so let's, let's move on. I think that's that you've explained that point really, really eloquently. And, and yeah, I, I just know how painful that was for you. And, and, you know, there was a time when I admired you more than anything for the, for the way that you handled it, but you bounced back from that situation. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about how, how you did that. Yeah. So some of it, it's like we said, the first stage is just uh, probably just giving yourself a bit of a breath at that point. And, and I think the other thing is, in one sense, and what I'm going to say now might almost sound a bit depressive. I think you never bounce back because because you'll never be the same. You've gone through something that will affect you and you can choose to either let it affect you negatively uh, or you can choose to turn it into good and, and to move forward from it. So there's this sense, you know, we, we use the phrase, don't we, bouncing back from something. But there is a sense you don't bounce back to where you were before. You move forward as a new person. And you choose, you can either move forward with bitterness and anger and frustration and, and you become perhaps the person you don't want to be. Or you move forward having learned from the situation and, and, and using that. So I think at the time I, I was reading, doing a lot of reading. And there was some stuff I read then, which you know, a number of you would have heard about. So that, that whole thing about kanzuki, which is the Japanese pottery that, you know, normally if we break a pot, we try and either throw it away or we, we glue it back together so you can't see the cracks. But the Japanese mix gold or platinum or something into the cracks because it's part of the beauty of who they are as a pot, you know, and, and when you look at these kintsuki bowls or pots, they look, they look amazing. And, and there's a parallel there for us that when we kind of just recognize this is something that's happened to me and I need to use it for good, that kind of helps you. So I think that was the first thing is just recognizing I can choose to use this for good or, or not. And actually, since when I'm running leadership, I, I, I talk about this moment, this situation. Uh, the room goes very quiet um, when you do. But actually, people then go, oh, yeah, see, you have been to the dark side then. You have, you have been to a, a situation where, you know, the dark night, the soul, you've wrestled with it. And, and I think it just gives you a bit more credibility. So, yeah, I think it was about, first of all, just giving yourself a bit of time, uh, leaning on those that you needed to, and, and just giving time to repair yourself. That, that daily mantra, like I said, uh, about business being part of my door and what story do I want to tell and then just making that first step really uh, because you know how do you move forward or how do you bounce back it's one step at a time so it's just about what little step am I going to make today what little plan am I going to do today who am I going to meet with today that can help me move things forward so yeah I guess it was some of those things were the starting point of it yeah and I, I think one of the things that you did I remember at the time um, you know, when we were talking about this is you you decided to pull a book together which you which subsequently been published um called everyday leader it's a it's a it's a great book it's a really handy book to have with you when you're in when you're in leadership uh and i think the first chapter having told the story that you've now just retold retold to us um you, you then go on to to talk a bit about redefining failure, and I and I and I love that. I think I think the way that you've you've explained that is in that in the book is 
is brilliant. So, so yeah, share a little bit about your ideas about, you know, redefining failure. Yeah. So I think if we just see, see the plot that's happened to us, uh, or if we make a mistake, if we see that just as failure, then it's quite destroying. It's kind of a a binary yes, no thing, isn't it? Am, Am I good at something? Yes or no. But if we, if we redefine failure or something that's happened as a, as a learning opportunity, then, then that gives us, you know, and anything can be useful. Um, so for me, yeah, as you say in the book, thanks for the comments, Dave. That's really nice. Nice little plug for me. Um, that first first chapter is just about some of the steps and, and whether it's you are doing something and it's not been as catastrophic as you've lost your job, but it hasn't gone well. The first thing is just to take a bit of time, take some time to evaluate what's happening. Uh, the second bit is just to get a bit of perspective. That's either giving yourself a bit of time to look around and see this isn't the, the worst thing in the world. It's not, the, it doesn't, it's not your whole life. But also it's perhaps about seeking some advice from others to try and understand their perspective on it too. Um, it, it's really about reviewing it as well and just saying, okay, so what happened? And just really try and understand, is there anything in this we did actually do well or that I did well? What wasn't quite so good? What could I do better next time? And then just thinking about, well, so what's the one change I need to make if I'm going to do something like this again? Um, and clearly in the case of, you know, the big catastrophic one for me that, you know, you just review, okay, so what, what did I miss? What did other people miss? Uh, you know, what, what should they have done? What should I have done? If, if I'm ever in a scenario like this again, what, what do I do differently? Um, and what is it I need to learn from it? And, and in my case, actually, it was about speaking to other head teachers and saying, for goodness sake, go and check it with absolute rigour all of your references, of which everyone I spoke to came back and said, yeah, we had some missing too. Thanks for letting us know. Um, but, you know, whether it's something big or something small, it's just that review, identifying what's working well, what isn't, and then what's the one thing you're going to focus on and work on to make it better next time and then it just becomes this learning opportunity of whatever's thrown at us becomes an opportunity rather than something that threatens and it becomes an opportunity to make you better um, and I'm certainly a much better person a better leader uh, you know despite that experience you know if, if you ask me again would you like to replay 2017 in that particular week um, of course I would probably say no thank you thank you for the offer but no thank you um, but you can't replay it. And so you look back and go, yes, but actually, I understand things better now. I understand people uh, differently. I understand certain importance of rigor and double checking and triple checking and all those sorts of things. But yeah, I think I'm a better way, better person at working with people as well and understanding the, the challenges that we face. And it's all just by reviewing it and not seeing it as failure, but seeing it as a learning opportunity. I know you've, you know, uh come and talk about what 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 you now do in a moment but and i love that idea of reviewing one of the things that you taught me you have those two two columns that you that you set up when you when you do a review and one's headed www and the other one's headed ebi so so explain to people those because i think it's such a simple way but it's so effective and it's something i've gone on yeah. gone on to you so so go on explain those two great i'm glad you have i i would love to claim those exactly as my initials but i have to say they were flinging around in in teaching actually for working with children and but it's equally as important for whatever you might be facing as, as an individual and they stand for www uh, is what's working well uh and ebi is even better if uh so what would be even better if i did this instead or, or what would I need to change as a result of that 
Um, yeah, it's a simple little technique, and but it's always important to start with the what's working well, because that you know some of the mind science shows that releases certain chemicals that counteract cortisol because you're being thankful about what is actually working, and then that means it helps you to think more creatively about the things that you could improve. So the tendency is just jump straight into what what's gone wrong, like it's all a nightmare, it's all gone wrong. Uh, but if you can, at least try and think of one or two things that have worked well first, and then that can kickstart a bit of creativity to to finding the improvements. So, you know, obviously, as you spoke about, because of because of the situation, because of what happened, going back into into headship of schools wasn't an option for you anymore. So, so how did you start to sort of map out your your moving forward? Yeah. <laughs> It's really hard because at that point when you've first been walloped with something, you you know, you, you're not firing an awful. The brain is a bit fuddled. There are various thoughts that come into your head. So I guess the first thing is just to go back to what what's my purpose? What do I what do I want to do? Uh, and for me, I was clear on what my purpose was. It, it, as, as I've realized as I've started this journey, it's always been my purpose, which is to inspire and equip people. Um, and so it's just going, OK, so if my purpose is inspire and equip, what is the thing I'm going to do to try and meet that purpose? And I'd already decided it was to, to work with leaders. And although part of me was going, well, this isn't going to work, is it? It's all a bit belly up because they're going to look at that last report and they're not going to want to use me. I think the first thing was just to connect with people. Uh, and Andy was really good at this uh, at the time. Uh, used his, yeah, it's you, Andy. Use your professional expertise at just connecting with him. I'd already had a chat with Andy to say, Andy, can you help us do some branding and some website? And then... You know, that week it was like, Andy, you know, we were going to do this over the next three months. Could we do it over the next three weeks? Um, so it was just about connecting in with some people first that could help shape those steps. It was about making a, a clear plan, what that, that might look like. Um, and then just working with trusted partners to try and make that happen. It was connecting with people. I was I was told at the time as I was chatting through with one or two kind of business people, he said, you'll be surprised how many people will help you. And, and one piece of advice was unashamedly milk your contacts um, and I thought oh, was that taking advantage of friends and family but the thing is people people want to and and yeah ever since I've, I've been doing the same thing you just pay it forward so at that point you're asking for help but later on you'll be the one giving the help um, so again if anyone finds themselves in this position take a breather take a moment replenish find those contacts and unashamedly milk them in a nice way for, for all they can do to help you. And you'll find people will bend over backwards, particularly if you've gone through a challenge, they'll be ready to step alongside you. So yeah, find those contacts, work with them. Uh, it's thinking about then if this is where I want to go, what do I need? Make a list and then work with people to do that. And then it's just about a bit of dogged determination, digging a bit deep and just again saying to yourself, well, if I want to tell this story, I've got to work hard and sweat at it to do it. And so you set up this, you know, Everyday Leader is the name of your book. Everyday Leader is the name of your your business uh, to, to train people to, to understand simple but really effective leadership skills. Um, so let's just let's just play forward a little bit. So, so explain a little bit about how that business has grown and some of the sort of things that you're doing now. Because initially it was just you and going out and doing that kind of training and some some mentoring. But but every lay leader has has grown. So talk a little bit about where you're at right now. Yeah. So uh, we're just coming up to four years now, uh, and they kind of say it sort of takes three three to four years to get things up and running. So. Yeah, when I first started, it was it was more about training people in leadership development. So now we have a nice range of things. So 
a lot of my work is one-to-one coaching uh, or small group coaching. So identifying with people the problems that they might be facing and just asking them questions to help find solutions. There's some training. Uh, then we have a podcast um, called The Leadership Lounge. Uh, then we have uh, the book that we use. And then there's various blogs and, and resources online. So <clears throat> there's a nice range. Uh, we're now at the position as well where I have, uh, apart from me, I have I've, uh, just recently employed Chloe, who's an office manager and PA. So she does all the bookings for me now and uh, all the practical organising. Uh, and she's been fabulous. And then I've got... Um, some associate coaches and associate trainers that depending if we've got a bigger contract on then they come alongside their trusted people that I've either done some work with or or trained coaching with um, and again some really super people as part of that so it's a kind of little team of people where we need um, perhaps a, a wider range we've still got a long way to go uh, and it's never the intention of being this multi-million pound conglomerate but it is about just helping the everyday person and uh, it's just been lovely to see you know people inspired and equipped you know they come at an end of a coaching session and they're just saying oh, this is i'm just I'm, I'm i'm going there now i'm completely transformed by this conversation so yeah that's the greatest joy still though is when you see people equipped uh with a challenge that they felt was insurmountable and now they realize what they can control in it so yeah associate coaches uh a super chloe that does stuff for us uh and uh yeah, just look forward to what the next bit brings we've got we've got some really uh exciting plans for a little project called Renew which is a mixture of kind of online uh, access and coaching and some training and some group work to to help people I guess with this kind of scenario that we're talking about when they've been a bit bruised by something and it's really affecting them um, with some simple practical ways of helping them kind of renew and, and, and step forward I guess learning from the stuff we've got here but helping them with that the kind of practical training and, and coaching to help them work their way forward. So, yes, yeah, exciting plans coming too. Brilliant. I think one of the things you spoke about earlier, and I sort of want to just explore a little bit more, you talked about you know, adversity is not, is not binary. It's not, it's not pass or fail. It's not, it's not good or bad. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I've kind of really found that quite helpful over the last 12 months when obviously – my year has been pretty challenging because the business that I run yeah. has been closed because of the the pandemic. And um, therefore, you know, I have to hold on to the hope that actually out of this experience that we've gone through, where we've been forced to stop trading for eight months out of the last 12, that positive things will will come out of it. Um, you know, this experience won't won't all be bad. And yeah, I suppose, you know, you've you, you can offer some hope there, can't you? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think it's Anything you face, if you know whether that's you know you're just gonna like if you're coming out of adversity like this, I'm going maybe I'm going for a job interview. You know, I've lost my job and I'm going for a job interview. If you view this as I, I've got to get this job, or if I don't get this job, I failed, then then it it's going to go one way or another. It's either going to be this great excitement when you get it, or it's going to be this low if you don't. But um, there's a there's a brilliant podcast where Johnny Wilkinson uh, speaks on the High Performance Podcast, and he talks about two key words that he talks about which is to view things as uh, to explore them and to be curious uh, in anything you go into um, and that when you do that you you can just learn some incredible things from it and so everything you've been facing becomes something that you can learn from or grow from even if it's I've gone for this job interview and I haven't got it if you go in with the mindset of let's just see if I what, what I can do in this moment what can I discover about myself about a situation and if I happen to get the job, then that's great. But what I'm what I'm really after here is to explore and be curious of what this looks like. And 
to go into these moments with this uh, mindset of all of me in every moment in this scenario. And so if we go into the things that we're facing with, you know, I, I perhaps don't like this thing I'm facing, but but let's just see what I can explore in this. Let's be curious. What will I learn about myself? What will I learn about others? What will I learn in the case if I'm going for a job interview uh, about interviews, about where I perform well, what I could develop? Um, and, and let me go in with all of me with every moment and be looking and inquisitive in that. A, that changes our mindset that whatever we're facing then doesn't become a pass-fail moment. It becomes something that we'll, we'll glean or grow from. Now, don't get me wrong, when you're in those moments, it's still really hard, isn't it? But it's about just kind of looking at things in that, that different perspective. And uh, yeah, it is hard, but, but just by changing that way of thinking, um, that's how you move forward from, from that adversity. That adversity then doesn't become something that's purposely there to get you and defeat you. Uh, you actually turn, you turn the arrows round almost, you know, the arrow that's shooting at you, you turn it round to actually help you move forward rather than be something that, that kills you. Rather than seeing this situation that's come at me is something deliberate and, um, you know, it, either the world or people are just doing it deliberately to get at me, it instead becomes, well, it's something that's coming up and I'm just going to use it and turn it into something that I can learn from it. Um, and then, yeah, it then becomes something that's much easier to, to walk through life with. And, and life then doesn't become a series of pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail. It becomes something that you can grow from to become bigger and stronger. Um, doesn't make it any easier when you're facing those really tough things of life, but but it doesn't it does help you to move forward from them. Yeah, it's a great it's a great mindset, and and I think you know lots of people have found that found that helpful. I know from from the training that Matt, that you've done. Um, I think I want listen. I want to talk about you. You've done some training for for my business, and and you have helped develop leaders in in my organisation at Mosaic and. And you've had a huge impact. You know, it's really encouraging for me when when the staff uh, are asking when's Colin doing his next session, and and want to make sure that they're actually on that training, which is which is great. And when we got to the end of lockdown one, you helped me and the guys in my team who we were putting together. We had this idea of we we're coming out of lockdown one. We needed to recreate Mosaic. We put a training program together, and some of it was very. Uh, basic stuff about how we were going to make the clubs covid secure so it was very practical stuff actually not basic very practical stuff um but we also did did some work with you and and it was so impactful we had we had uh, such an amazing response what what is it that you it's just sort of asking the the essence of what, what i suppose is so good about everyday leader but what what do you think it is that makes your training so impactful well, first of all, thank you, Dave. It's lovely. It's always lovely to hear those things, isn't it? Uh, when someone say, actually, the work you're doing is good. So uh, that's great. And uh, what makes it impactful? I think it starts, first of all, by just listening to to the people you're going to work with. And, and first of all, it's about listening to you and say, what, what is it that you need? And really getting to the root of what it is that, that's needed. Um, I think it's then understanding, okay, so what do the people need here? Uh, and then then doing it in real practical ways, but also having a lot of fun with it. I think I think in life we we forget the importance of fun, the importance of play. Uh, you know, as kids, we love play, don't we? And then as grown ups, we kind of think, oh, maybe we should stop. Or well, actually, I, I play at this time, but I do work at this time. But, um, you know, we when we do training face to face, we have practical games, we have gutters and we have balls as these giant metaphors to help people understand. And I think when people see it visually, or they see it in a context as well that it's not quite so personal um, because they'll demonstrate it in a game or an activity, then they can apply that back in. 
And obviously, when we're running training online, I just try and change that. You know, we don't can't get gutters and balls out, but we'll do training as part of that. But I think it's also about just walking alongside people, say, look, this is a challenge, uh, and and just acknowledging the emotions that they might be wrestling at the, with at the time. You know, in many in many ways, we've all we've all gone gone through challenge this year, haven't we? And we've all got to bounce back or step forward from this challenge. And and how do we help people do that? The first thing is just to walk alongside them, just to acknowledge the emotion and say, yeah, this is tough, isn't it? Um, but then reminding people we can choose to wallow in this this uh you know pity or this damage or this kind of feeling or we can choose to make our first steps forward and then it's about teaching people a that they are capable of it reminding them what they have already got and that they are resourceful and and just giving them that unconditional positive regard that you can do this i believe you can do it but also just then teaching them some practical steps and practical things they can do as part of that give them a bit more armory a bit more tools in their toolbox um but yeah it basically comes down to listen and then have a bit of fun with it and, and some metaphor um and engage with it so yeah but it's great to know that's that's really helping dave thank you oh uh, yeah no, no it does and i, and I want to i think this you know your story is uh although we talk about a bit of adversity your story is also about um you know i think really a sense of encouragement for people because i mean as i said i know you really well and and i you know, you were completely wired to be a, a teacher or a head teacher at that. To, to, to be honest with you, that that felt like you were in the sweet spot of doing the job that you should be doing, and and therefore to have lost that in the way that you lost it could have been a crushing. Well, it's a crushing blow for anyone, but it'd be a crushing blow for many people. But you know, I, I kind of look at you now, and and if you don't mind me saying, I think you're in a better place. You know, you've you you have more time with your family, which I know you really value. You're you're healthier um you 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 know you have more of a sense of fun because you're not weighed down by the burden and pressure of uh of the responsibility of being a head teacher um and you know the impact that you've had on or you're having on people through your coaching and your training is huge you're having probably far more impact now in the role that you're doing now than you were as a head teacher and that was amazing in terms of the number of children's lives that you affected so so Whilst I know the experience is really painful for you to go through, I mean, do you now look back on it four years on and think of that moment, that that terrible week that you had uh, uh, back in May, whenever it was in 2017, as more of an opportunity and a positive changing point rather than rather than a negative? It, it is interesting, isn't it? You know, I did I did love being a head teacher. There were moments I didn't love, and that was mainly government interference, if I'm honest. Um, but if I look back now, yes, I, I am in a better place. I mean, you said I'm healthier. I am. I'm five stone lighter. That isn't just because I've left headship. I, I since had further adversity, which is being told I had type two diabetes and needed to do something about it. And that, you know, that was part of the change. You went running, changed my diet, all those sorts of things. But yeah, if I look back, you know, the the job of a head teacher is, you know, anybody just thinking it's it's like you might see on Waterloo Road on TV. It isn't. It's incredibly intense. And, and I look back now and I, I am in a, in a better place. And I think, again, if that can be of any encouragement to people at the time, it feels devastating. It feels like it's, it's changing. But, but you can step forward from this stuff and often create new pathways for yourself and new, new things. And as you say, it's, I remember when I, I became a teacher, I loved influencing 30 children. And then I, I became a senior teacher and would influence you know, several classes worth. And then I became a head teacher. And at that point, it was influencing kind of 400 children in that first school. And, and I went to another school and it was influencing 600. And I think 
what I do now obviously does influence the leaders that I work with that then influence if they're a head teacher, influences them. If it's a business leader, it influences them. So, and what it comes back to is just whatever you do, it comes back to that purpose that I mentioned before. You know, my, my purpose is to inspire and equip people. What Whether that's just having a chat with someone, I like to try and inspire and equip them. Whether that's working as a head teacher or now working as a coach and as a, as a trainer and leader of an organisation that does that. Um, whether that's in the work I do with my kids charity and the volunteers that run that, it's 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 trying to go back to that again. So I think whatever you choose to do after this adversity is just spend some time to really ask yourself, what what's my purpose? What is it I love doing? What makes my heart beat a little bit faster? What makes me smile? And what makes me smile is when someone leaves a conversation with me and they feel a bit more equipped and better you know better set up to do something than when we started the conversation and whether that's now as a coach or whether it was a as a head teacher um but yeah you're right i am in a i have more opportunities i can say yes to to more things i can give my time to some things for free that i wouldn't have been able to before because the job of a head teacher you know it didn't just finish at 3 30 it often finished at 12 30 1 30 in the morning after you'd finished all the paperwork um yeah and and i've 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 discovered the joy of having at least seven, eight hours sleep a night, which I never used to do um, <laughs> just because I was working so so long hours. So there can be good bits that come come from this adversity if you choose to let it uh, and, and want to take it forward in that way. So we're doing this podcast via Zoom and, and uh, so we can kind of see each other. And I, I know that Andy and Duncan are kind of itching. I can see them ready and primed to kind of dive in with their own questions and i need to let them do that otherwise we're going to run out of time so uh but before so before i let them loose on you carl i just got one last last question i suppose i, th- I think particularly the time that we're going through right now we've talked about this before uh in this series with other of our guests so so you know out of this pandemic will be will be time of adversity for for so many people so so what sort of words of encouragement would you offer to people that, that right now are going through their their real challenge and period of difficulty yeah i guess i would just repeat some of the things that i've said already and the first is that plop does happen it's it's not personal it might feel it but it's not um the next thing is you know these are the cards you have in your hand at this time so just play the best cards that you can play the best game and and write the story that you want to write as as part of this scenario and if you can just see this as an opportunity to explore and, and there could be some good things that, that come out of it. There can be some things that you could learn that actually could make you stronger. You could learn some new skills you didn't have before. And there might be some new opportunities uh, that we could come from this. And it's it's just the way we seek them and explore them. Um, yeah, it's not easy, but it is about just deciding what am I going to do with this? Then what story do I want to write? That probably be why I would sum it up for them and just write that next chapter the best way you can. Brilliant. Duncan, Andy, what are your thoughts listening to Carl? Yeah, I mean, I, Colin, I've got so many questions to ask you, but I, I tell you what, what you're talking about is so incredibly relevant. I mean, like Dave was saying, through this pandemic, people are facing situations that they need to bounce back from, whether it's grief because they've lost someone they love or they've lost a job or they've lost a relationship or the facts and figures are saying, you know, marriages are breaking down, relationships are breaking down. And because we're living together in lockdown, relationships are frayed and uh, and people are needing to bounce back from broken relationships as well. So what you're saying is so incredibly relevant. And you need to know, 
Mr. Tapscott, that, you know, sometimes when someone bigs you up when you're in the room, it kind of feels great, but you're never quite sure whether that's what they would say when you're not in the room. I just want you to know that Dave often talks about you and often talks about the impact you've made on his company when you're not in the room knowing that we're not going to go back and tell you. But he's often saying, Colin has made a massive difference to my organisation. And and he's true. He's right. He said all the time, his his leaders are saying, when are we getting Tapscott back? When are we getting that man back in the room? Because it's gold, gold dust for us. So you're doing something brilliant, my friend. Appreciate that. A couple of questions. Um, you, you know the phrase, uh, when someone goes through adversity, the phrase always comes out, um, you know, time heals. Give it time and you'll be fine. Is, is that true? I mean, four years on, do you feel you've been healed from the bitterness that you felt back then? Or are you still having to every day get back, back down on your knees and say, I'm not going to let bitterness rule my life? I, it is an interesting phrase, isn't it? And uh, there is a there is a part of truth in it. I think when you have scenarios like this, it, it leaves you with a scar. And, and you have scar tissue. And sometimes actually you can get that scar tissue compounded when the same thing happens to you again. And, and unfortunately, I did have a similar experience a couple of years later, which just compounded the scar on scar. And, and that isn't helpful. I think um, I think time can help a little in terms of it gives you a, a perspective. If you let it, it doesn't feel so consuming as the moment when it happens. I don't think it ever goes away. I think it is like those Kintsuki bowls. You, you know, you you got broken a little bit then, and there is a there is a crack and there is a scar. And actually, when you're under pressure, that that's the point where it might well pull apart. And at those points, you perhaps sometimes have to remind yourself of the same mantra, whatever your mantra is going to be. For me, it was bitterness will remain far from my door. And here we are, you know, four years later, and you know something might be mentioned, and it you, you can have those little feelings just around yeah. That wasn't quite what I wanted, was it? Um, and so you do then probably have to then just give yourself a little repeat because the scar is under pressure, is being tested. It's a trial of your scar. Uh, and, and then you have to just work at it to just try and soften, put it back again. So I think it's always there. I think it's a scar. You can choose then whether to use that for good or whether to use it for bad. You can choose whether to let that open up and, and you know, we're going to be, you know, seep out pus. Yeah, let's make that metaphor really horrible. Um <laughs> Or you can choose to just repeat that mantra again and not let it crack open uh, to reveal pleasant stuff, but just to bring the healing back in again. So I think it does a little. I think it helps you put it in perspective, but it's part of your story. It's a scar that's there and you can choose to use it for good or you can let it seep out. So you do have to still keep working on it on, on with some of these issues. If you are somebody we... who's lost somebody, they're, they're always going to remember that loss, aren't they? They're always yeah. going to have that moment of sadness as yeah. well. We're going to have to call this the Puss and Plop podcast, I think. <laughs> I think that, that's what sums it up. Nobody will listen. Just before Andy um, dives in with a question, uh, three times I noticed, Colin, you went back to this idea of uh, everybody, if you're going to bounce back, you've got to remind yourself of what your purpose is. Three times you talked about that. Um, and I certainly feel inspired and equipped listening to you for the past half an hour or so. And so it's obvious what your purpose is. How do you suggest if I if I feel broken because I've lost my job, I'm confused about the future. I've I've hit a roadblock like you did. Um, you know, I've been shown the right boot of fellowship from a church a couple of times, so I know that kind of pain. Um, but but how do you? 
go through the process of figuring out why I'm here and what I should be doing and what my purpose in life is. Give me the one, two, three. What do I need to do? I've got my pen. I've got a notebook. How do I figure out my purpose? Yeah. Now, of course, there's a range of views on this, but I guess my my feeling first would be if you don't know what it is, just take up some opportunities, explore some stuff uh, and just go, right, let's let's try out some stuff and see what. What excites me? What makes my heart feel a bit beat a bit faster? What what makes me feel good about something? And so just try a range of experiences to see if you can find the sorts of thing that helps you to do that. And then what I do with work with people to help me discover this is I ask them what they do, what they enjoy doing. And then then I start to ask them, but but why do you do that? But why, but why, but why? It's just it's just a technique called five whys. And and so try some experiences. Find something you enjoy and makes you just smile a bit when you do it. And then just say, what is it about this that I like? And and try and then get to the root of why, why, why? What is it that I really love about this? And and what sits as the the kind of values underneath it? And then probably you're getting closer to your purpose. I mean, there is a sense where for some people, they might say it's not just one grand purpose that I'm here on earth for. It is about seeking those everyday moments to work and be me in those moments. Um but if you want to discover, yeah, something that's really, that's almost going to feel in flow with you, it's try different things. And what things do you really enjoy? Makes you smile, makes your heart beat a bit faster. Then ask yourself, what is it about that that I'm enjoying? And just say, but why, but why, but why? And then you might get to those, that word or that short sentence that describes this, what I'm here to do. It's really helpful. Thanks, Carl. I don't think I've been so quiet in any of the podcasts, by the way. And, and that's for two I, reasons. I bored you then, Andy. <laughs> no, just, just an awful lot to take in. I tell you, that's good. Really good. So uh, just picking up on Duncan's point and, and the one you're talking about, purpose, um, you could find out something that really annoys you or something that really upsets you and do something about it. And if yeah. that reduces suffering um, at any level, then um, good, good going. You've talked about so many different aspects of leadership of bouncing back from adversity, but there's three things much like kind of Duncan picked up on. The first one I want to pick up on is um, you talked about investing in friendships and Duncan's preached on investing in friendships so that when perhaps things aren't going so well, you can sort of draw off the bank of friendship. Um, and, and so that really kind of chimed with me the way you talked about leveraging your trusted relational network of competent individuals and, uh, I suppose in a backward sort of way, I'm complimenting myself there because you lent into me and you said, Andy, we need to fast track, um, you know, this articulation of who I am, what I do, why I do it and the benefit that I can bring. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to uh, to work with you on that because I learned a lot from you in that process. Um, so I want to go back to the beginning, actually, when you were talking about in a crisis, you had three Fs and I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I got the family bit. I got the faith. And then there was this, oh, flipping heck, um, friends. So it's kind of back to the friendship network, isn't it? Um, but I'd like to suggest three R's as well, which is, um, and I've witnessed your journey, Colin, as well, perhaps not quite so closely as Dave, but uh, three R's and you're a head teacher, so not reading, writing and arithmetic, but um, repair, renewal and reinvention. So I've kind of witnessed your reinvention and you've you've not only changed internally, but externally, and you've touched on this five stone loss, you know. Yeah, I'm three Actually, quarters a... of the man I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it's quite something, isn't it? So through the crisis, you have, it, it's kind of like you've become Renaissance man. You've reinvented yourself. Um, you have, you've become sharper, I think, um, 
not that you were blunt, but I think that it's, it brought into focus so many things that you sort of inwardly question yourself. So my question, eventually get to it, is um, you've talked about mindset. Um, we've, you've touched lightly on your own personal transformation. Um, but can you just tell me what levels of courage have you had to kind of dig into in order to, as it were, repropose who you are and what you do to the world? that one word courage really yeah. it might not be one that you land on straight away but for me i've witnessed it and i think you have been really courageous through this yeah it, it, it is and it, the first courage is is probably just in my case was literally stepping out the door and going to the shop right you know, in terms of you just felt really vulnerable your reputation was in tatters sort of thing um yeah i Brenny Brown talks in her book, Dare to Lead, about the relationship between courage and vulnerability. They, yeah. they're, they're, they're intrinsically linked. And uh, yeah. courage isn't about this big, bold, you know, shield-wearing, sword-flapping kind of courage. It's about that just ability to take that little step when you just don't even feel like stepping out the door. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it's big courage because it starts with I've got to step out. It's then courage about I've got to reinvent myself and... I remember it was probably a year or two before this happened. I remember another head teacher talking to me saying, I feel really vulnerable. I think I could lose my job. It's going really badly. And I remember saying to her, you just got to remember that, that you're not just the head teacher. You know, I said, look, I'm not just calling the head teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm calling the husband, you know, I'm calling the father. It almost sound like I'm getting in some kind of trinity here, but you know, <laughs> that, that I am, I'm not just the person doing this job. Um, yeah. And it's reminding yourself of, of that as you step out, I think. But so you do, you've got to reinvent yourself because at that point, if you think, Oh, I am just the head teacher or whatever you, the job is that you might have lost or, or be moving yeah. on from, then it can feel massive. But it, what you can help yourself with is just reminding who you are as well and how you can, hang on to that as you take these steps of courage to re reinvent yourself and step of vulnerability. You know, if you asked me probably, you know, a couple of years before I, I stopped being a head teacher, would you, you know, would you go out and set up your own business and no longer have a salary and just step out? I said, no, thank you. That sounds blooming scary. Um, and, and there I was taking that, that step uh, and having to take it perhaps feeling slightly on the back foot as well. Um, but yeah, it is. You have to dig into courage. But what helps you with courage is reminding you where you have taken steps before and you've succeeded, reminding you that you're not taking this alone. The friends around you, the people who are with you, cheering you on. Um, yeah. Those are the sorts of things that help you. Um, and just knowing, though, that it is this dance between vulnerability and courage. And if I show a bit of vulnerability and take that step, I might learn and grow from it. And it's just, yeah, remind yourself one step at a time. It doesn't have to be big steps, just little ones. And then before you know it, you look back and you've you've achieved that courage you were afterwards. You've, you've begun that reinvention. That's great. That's great. And so my second and last question would be, um, you did a TED talk, a TEDx talk um, about your grandfather's toolbox. If you were going to do a second TEDx talk, what would it be on? I know oh. I've kind of spotlighted you on that yeah that's a that's a that's a brilliant question sort of out of nowhere that one is it what would i write it on what would, I do a would it have anything to do with plop i remember saying after i done, did the first one if i've done granddad's toolbox i'll do my granny's handbag because she had a handbag <laughs> with absolutely everything everything in uh yeah what do i do what would i do my next talk on i think it's I might do it on something we've not talked about, actually. So I might do it on reason for change has to be greater than reason not to. 
that actually it's about reminding yourself what it what is it that I want to do uh, and when you know your reason for change and it's significant enough it'll help you with that courage with that adversity and uh, yeah that that's that I found to be really true your reason for change has to be greater than your reason not to your reason for stepping out has to be greater than your reason not to and it's just finding those reasons uh, you know will will mold with that courage as well and give you the, the strength to to take those steps so there yeah. you go yeah we'll do it on reason for change would be the next uh, ted talk it's good well great questions guys we're kind of coming towards the the end of our time on this podcast but but uh, colin just for those people that are listening and have loved hearing what you you've said alongside us where where can they find out about what you're doing with everyday leader what's the what's the website so the website is uh, www.everydayleader.co.uk Great. Well, listen, thanks for being part of the, the Waggle Dance uh, podcast today. It's been, it's been great having you on, Cole. Thank you. So, Duncan, what's coming next? Uh, th- this has been such a, um, a, a helpful um, hour or so together on, on the, f- um, the final episode of the Waggle Dance podcast for this second series. And seeing as our audience has doubled from the first series, from two to, to five, if you include the dog as well, uh, we think we might as well just keep going. We're going to give ourselves a little break over Easter and then early summer, we're going to get back onto it. But here's the truth. A new different, or if you like, a new normal is coming. Boris has promised that by June the 21st, there could possibly be some semblance of normality again in our world. Who knows whether that's true or not? But if we're wise as human beings, we'll reflect on what we've learnt in 2020 and the start of 2021, and we'll want to carry that forward. Why? Because pain without gain is just a shame. I mean, Dave will tell you that in his fitness industry. What's the point of going to the gym and going through all that pain if you don't have any gain in the way you look and the way you feel? It's just a shame. It's just a right shame. So we've been through a lot of pain. And if we don't gain something for it, if we're not better for it, then it's just a shame. So we're going to talk in the next series, we're going to talk about a waggle dance manifesto for living a great life in a post-lockdown world. Living a great life in a post-lockdown world. So we want it to be incredibly relevant to you. And we want you to hear what our manifesto is. So I'm telling you what, we're going to miss you over the next few months. We're going to miss chatting together and letting you into our conversations. But I hope when we're back on air and we're back with you walking the dog or doing the ironing or driving in your car, I hope you have a great time. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again in a few months. Between now and then, join us on the socials. Keep in touch with us all. And don't forget to check out Everyday Leader. Go to Colin's website and see if he can help you take your best next step in leading through change. So thanks, guys. Thanks for being part of the Waggle Dance podcast. And we will see you all real soon. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation. And please do subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or your usual podcast provider so that you can catch every episode. Thanks for listening to the Waggle Dance podcast. And see you next time.